So I'm not afraid to fail, which a lot of people are, unfortunately, but failure is the only thing in business that is inevitable. You are going to fail at some point. Lots of things can happen. So you have to be prepared for that. But also, I don't want to tell people to not do something, but take the risk. So if you know you're going to fail, then everything else is pretty much gravy from there. You're listening to Side Hustle Pro, the podcast that teaches you to build and grow your side hustle from passion project to profitable business. And I'm your host, Nikayla Matthews-Akome. So let's get started. Today's episode is brought to you by Gusto. So when you work for someone else, you really look forward to payday. But when you become a business owner, you really look forward to finding that great payroll provider. And that's where Gusto comes in. Small businesses across the country love running payroll using Gusto. Gusto automatically files and pays your taxes. It's super easy to use, and you can add benefits and HR support to help take care of your team and keep your business safe. It's loyal. It's modern. You might even fall in love with it yourself. Side Hustle Pro listeners get three months free when they run their first payroll. So try a demo and test it out yourself at gusto.com slash SHP. That's gusto.com slash SHP. Hey, hey guys, welcome back to the show. Today in the guest chair, I have AC Brown. Now, AC and I actually tried to record this episode months ago, but we kept having all of these technical difficulties. So we finally got together and were able to record, and I am so happy to be able to share all of her knowledge. So AC is a business strategist, sleep counselor, and self-care educator. She's also the founder and chief sleep officer of Goodnight Darling Co. Goodnight Darling is a luxury retail line designed to promote healthy sleep habits and provide sleep-inducing wares. Founded in 2016, Goodnight Darling utilizes expert studies to develop products for enhancing the sleep experience. Goodnight Darling has even partnered with West Elm Local on the East Coast and several luxury boutiques to sell its products. And this is one of the reasons why I'm so happy to have AC in the guest chair, because we get into how you can get your niche brand into major retailers. Let's get right into it. So welcome to the guest chair, AC. Hi. I am excited to have you here. You know, I just gave a little intro, let people know that this is our second attempt, but it's going to be even stronger this go round. And I can't wait to share your story. So first things first, give us a peek into the life of AC. Who are you and when were you bitten by this entrepreneurial bug? Oh gosh, that's that's a loaded question, but I'll keep it short. I'm AC Brown. And I like to consider myself an entrepreneur, um, a risk taker, a motivator. I also am a human design expert, a total side note. And I also help people outside of my business with their own dreams and helping them launch. Um, but most and foremost, I like to say that I am a hustler <laughs> um, uh, just because I've been doing it for so long. I got the entrepreneurial bug probably when I was around eight years old. My mom says earlier than that, but I remember my first hustle, if you want to say, or first idea for having a business at eight. Wow. Uh, what was that at eight? <laughs> well, 
I am always have always been a big just imagine an imaginer. I don't that's not even a word, but just someone who imagines and has these big dreams and these big goals. And outside of my house in Queens, New York, I grew up in Jamaica, Queens, New York, and we had this bush of berries. I don't even know what they were. They might've been poisonous, who knows? But I noticed that they were red and they would fall on the ground and they would leave stains in our driveway. So me, I was like, hmm, that's awesome. I'm going to make that into nail polish. And when I would take, we, me and my friend would take the the little berries and put them on our nails. And when we would wash our hands, it would still leave a film on your nail, but it would be like a white film instead of like the berry color. So I was like, oh, wow, nail, you know, changing nail polish, you know, it changes colors. And so I bottled it up with my mom's old nail polish and I would try to sell it to my friends. It didn't last <laughs> long, but I did try. And I that was my first. Yeah, that was the first like kind of thing that I remember. And it just didn't last long. It didn't last um, long. No, not at all. <laughs> so then, you know, as you made your way throughout childhood and, and into adulthood, what was that initial career path? What path were you on? Well, originally, I thought I wanted to go to FIT for fashion merchandising, fashion design, because I know how to sew. So my grandmother taught me how to sew when I was around eight or nine as well. And I was like, oh, I'm going to be a fashion designer. I'm going to learn how to sew. And I'm going to have this big line, all of this stuff. And I don't know what happened. It was mostly my parents' influence. They said, oh, you should go to school for business. And I was just like, yeah, you're right. Um, I'll be able to have a job or something like that. And the next thing was like, no, I really want to write because I wrote screenplays for a while. So I wanted to go out to California. They said, no, you should go to school for business. So I ended up going to school for business um, for my undergrad. And then I went on to complete my MBA in marketing. And that's where my career in marketing and sales started. So that's where that first happened there. Okay. Now I understand from what I know of AC's journey that, okay, you have this educational background in sales and marketing, but then you kind of also wandered into a different lane, right? <laughs> Back into fashion, so to speak. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Talk, talk yes. to us about yes. that. Well, because I know how to sew, um, another one of my side hustles at the time, I had, when I was in college, a friend of mine, she was an exotic dancer and she, I saw like she was always buying costumes. I'm just like, hmm, interesting. You know, $25 here, $30 here, $50 here. And she's probably spending at least $200 to $300 a week on costumes because she made a lot of money. And I said, I can sew that. I can sew a thong. That's easy. You put some rhinestones <laughs> on. That's easy. Wait, why was and, she spending $300 a week if they were so cheap? Well, because what a lot of people don't know who are not in the exotic um, dancing world is that during a shift, um, you usually change your outfit at least two to three times, sometimes more, depending on how long you're at the club. So you don't want to get seen in the same outfit or you're sweaty etc. So, and then plus, you know, it's a bunch of women. So it's a lot of competition. You want to look the best, you want to be the best. And so that means you're going to have multiple outfits. So in a weekend, a really popular dancer who's really making money, she'll probably go through like 
five to seven outfits in two nights easily. And she might rotate those again if maybe the next month. If not, she's buying more outfits. So I saw that as an opportunity because it was a cash business. It's not like, you know, people were like, oh, I'm going to, you know, we didn't have Stripe back then or, you know, anything like Cash that. Or Square, <laughs> nothing like that. So I was just sewing um, out of my apartment and I was making costumes and I was making a lot of money. Um, and that first business, unfortunately, I learned a lot of lessons through that about competition, about feeling yourself a little bit too much, about not staying the course. Ooh, what happened? Um, well, pretty much I started feeling myself. You know, I'm 20-something and I'm making, you know, anywhere between $800 and $1,000 a week sewing thongs. So, you know, at that point, you know, it's a cash business. I was able to pay my bills, buy stuff. I remember at the time I was buying like three and four pair of Uggs at the same time, just dumb stuff. <laughs> just, I mean, stupid stuff. And I started, you know, just leaning up on the business, not going to the club every weekend, selling stuff. And a lovely Spanish lady, um, an older lady who had kids to feed, (laughs) she pretty much took me out of business because she was faster. She didn't have to go to school. You know, she wasn't in school. So I was doing this on the side as well as working. So I'm trying to build my career and then doing it on the side. So she didn't have to work in the daytime. So she could sew all day. You know, she can go to the club, you know, during the week or whenever she was going. And, you know, she just became she just became more visible and she was able to just capture that audience because she was able to sew faster. I didn't have that much time because not only was I working, I was still taking some classes and I was doing that. So it was just like I didn't have a plan. It was just literally a side hustle, just let me just go ahead and sew, make a little cash and call it a day. Hindsight and what I know now, I could have actually turned it into a really big business, but it was just another one of my ideas. Got it. And, you know, you didn't have a long term plan at that time. It was just like, hey, this is making me money. So such an important lesson to learn at a young age, like you have to step back and make a plan at some point. Exactly. That's the biggest lesson is not having a plan. Yes. Make the plan, work the plan. The plan can change, but please have a plan. Exactly. (laughs) Now, when did the idea for Goodnight Darling come about and what was your mission? Why did you want to start this company? Well, Goodnight Darling, actually, it's near and dear to my heart only because at when I was about 14, I had a, I'm not going to get too much into, I had like an outer body experience and that caused my insomnia. And I started struggling with insomnia from the age of 14. And throughout high school and college, I started to get addicted to over-the-counter sleep medications, um, you know, the Tylenol PMs, the Advil PMs, um, NyQuil, anything that made you go to sleep. And my mom pretty much pulled me to the side and she's like listen Michael Jackson um you need to stop (laughs) like she's like you need to stop like you're gonna kill yourself like your liver's gonna be messed up and so I was just like okay well I will figure it out and I started looking into herbal remedies and herbal just just things about sleep and how to you know set the temperature right in the room um blackout curtains all of that stuff so I started creating those things in my life. And then I started taking classes on fragrance blending, on herbs and making your own teas, 
all of that stuff just just for me to wean myself off of sleep medications. And so it took me about a year to wean myself off of it um, because when, when you are addicted to something like sleep medication, you are used to the instant gratification of just falling asleep really fast. So people who don't have sleep issues, they don't really understand. Like there's a lot of people in the world who don't just lay their head in their pillow and are able to go to sleep that's not a lot of people's story. So it's a process. And so I had all these recipes and I just shelved them at the time. I was like, oh, wouldn't it be cool to have a company that did this? And I was onto something else. I just shelved it. And then three years ago, I had, I would like to say a relapse, but I was looking for Benadryl and I was just like, oh, I was going through a breakup and I was just like, oh, I need some Benadryl. I was having trouble sleeping. And I said, wait a minute, why don't you go to storage and get like your recipes and all that stuff. So I went and did that. And that same night I was just like, okay, let me do this. Maybe there isn't a company that just going to just focus on sleep. And there wasn't. So I brought the domain name and then six months later I launched. Wow. So let's, let's break that down a little bit. So most people, when you have recipes or you started doing something, making your own solution for a problem, you don't necessarily decide, oh, I'm going to make this into a company. I'm going to start the website tonight. Do you think it was because you had already been experienced in starting businesses that that was one of the thoughts that crossed your mind? Yes. Fortunately for me, and unfortunately, it's a catch-22 because I have started so many businesses, so many side hustles. One thing that I am used to doing is failing. So I'm not afraid to fail, um, which a lot of people are, unfortunately. But failure is the only thing in business that is inevitable. Ooh. You are going to fail at some point. Yes. So I wasn't afraid to fail. So it wasn't a big deal to me like, oh, I'm going to you know, start a business and it's going to be about sleep. It was just like, oh, okay, let me see what I can do. Let me get this up. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Because at that time I had already, I have ran through a couple of business. I had, I've always had a business on the side, whether I was working full time or whatever, whether I was just doing that business full time. So failure for me was more comfortable than actually and than success. So it wasn't like, oh no, what if this doesn't work out? It was just more like, I'm going to try. Let's see what happens. And then I'll call it a day. If not, I'll move on to the next thing. Yes. <laughs> so that's just how I think. I love that. And speaking of failure, so at this point you were working a full time, right? You had, yes. was it a flexible full time? Like talk to us about the capital, that initial capital to buy the equipment and the jars and to even, you know, pay for that domain. Was that supplementing everything that you had going on? It was a just discipline. I like to tell people if you don't have capital or if you can't borrow money, which I don't think you should anyway, is you just have to cut back. So I had to cut back on Starbucks. I had to cut back on um, just little things. And at the time I had a photography business. And so I was just doing specials for people um, you know, just trying to get the money up. And I'm a type of person that if I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. It might not, I might not do it today, might not do it next week, but it's going to get done. So I knew it was going to take me time. Um, and if you even go back to the Goodnight Darling Co. Instagram and you look at the first couple of Instagram pictures for a couple of weeks, I didn't have any product. I didn't have any pictures because I was trying to just source stuff and look at things. It's just like, a brand like experience of what it was going to be. And 
And I think that because of me failing before, it wasn't about, oh no, how I'm going to find the money. It was like, okay, where I'm going to, where am I going to redirect the current money that I have for my job to put into this? So it was about the sacrifice, not going out, not buying stuff, those little things just to have the upstart for it. Okay. And what were those early days like? So Goodnight Darling Co. is now how many years old? It's two years two and years a couple of months. Okay. So still still in the early days. It's still a baby. It's still, still a baby. Still a baby. Now. But in the infant years, in the infant days and months, what were the first steps you took to get started? So I'm talking about actually cementing these recipes and saying, this is how do you choose which products you're going to sell? How do you know who you're selling to and what they need? Well, at first it was going to be a store with a bunch of sleep products from other people, just looking at different lines of people who had products that were sleep centered or sort of, you know, lavender, those type of things. And it, the cost was higher for me to do it that way. And so I said, all right, you're just going to have to create your own brand. I really didn't want to do that because in essence, from my business, you know, experience, that wasn't smart. Um, I didn't want to be too much in the business like I am. We could talk about that later, but I wanted to curate. But I said, gosh, they d- nobody has a complete line of what I want. It's going to be pieced together. So I said, okay, which recipes am I going to use? I started costing them out. What were the, you know, least expensive, um, costing out glass, costing out labels. Thank goodness I have some design skills because I did my brand myself. I was able to cut costs on that. Thank goodness I was already a photographer. So I was able to take my own pictures. So those things I didn't have to worry about. It was literally, all right, I'm going to do three teas. I'm going to do these candles. I'm going to do that. And this is how the line is going to go. This is going to be the flow of it. This is what it means, all of that stuff. So it's just about a little bit of trial and error on my part. Okay. And I've heard with e-commerce businesses, you know, a lot of it is figuring out that right mix of SKUs because you don't want to have too much inventory, right? And you don't want to be trying to sell a million things. So that trial and error process, what did you narrow it down to? Well, because I knew I was going to do wholesale and wholesale was going to be like my biggest kind of money maker. Mm-hmm. I wanted to have a line where you didn't have to have the whole line to have the complete experience for your customers. So I knew I needed candles because those were a seller. Tea was something that was unique. Everybody loves tea, but this is specifically for relaxation and sleep. And then I had, you know, my bath and body products. And then I had the lifestyle portion of it, which were the candles and the room sprays and some other topical treatments that were in line with it. So it was more about mapping out what it was going to look like in the store, on the shelf. I had that vision already while I was creating it to say, okay, what does it look like if they only had candles, the bath soaks and a spray? Okay, this is what it's going to look like. So it's really about... And this is kind of difficult for someone new starting or someone who doesn't have experience in retail or even I wouldn't even say doesn't have experience in retail because everybody is a consumer. I would say you have to be a little bit smart and think about what you buy and what you are drawn to when you go into these stores and say, okay, if this was a complete line here, what would I gravitate towards? So I guess that's where the planning came in of 
me seeing having that foresight and seeing okay this is how I want it set up and I don't want this much inventory and this is this the costs on these items are low enough for me to you know expand or to have lots of etc that makes a lot of sense and I like that you call out that you know a lot of times you might think oh I don't have a lot of experience but then you have to remember you have experience as the consumer so use those insights it matters all of it matters Hey guys, it's Nikayla here with a quick word from our sponsors. Hey, side hustlers. If you have already started your business or are getting ready to, you probably know that small business owners, we wear a lot of hats. And some of those hats are totally fun. But if we're being honest, some of them, like filing taxes and running payroll, for example, they're not so great. That's where Gusto comes in. Gusto makes payroll, taxes, and HR actually easy for small businesses. Fast, simple payroll processing, benefits, and expert HR support all in one place. Gusto even automatically pays and files your federal, state, and local taxes so you don't have to worry about it. Plus, they make it easy to add on health benefits and even 401ks for your team. Those old school clunky payroll providers just weren't built for the way we work as modern small businesses, but Gusto is. So let them handle one of your many hats because you have better things to do. Side Hustle Pro listeners get three free months when they run their first payroll. So try a demo and see for yourself at gusto.com slash SHP. That's gusto.com slash SHP. Okay, I have a side hustle hack for all to hear, and it's called Skillshare. You want to know how I grow as a businesswoman? I keep learning. There's not a week that goes by that I'm not checking out a refresher class or a deep dive tutorial. And my go-to is Skillshare. Skillshare is an online learning platform with over 18,000 classes in business, marketing, entrepreneurship, you name it. So whether you're trying to start a side hustle or scale your business, Skillshare is there to keep you learning and thriving. In the last month alone, I've learned how to set up my email capture landing page on Squarespace and how to boost my email marketing using MailChimp all through Skillshare. And now Skillshare has a special offer just for my listeners. Get two months of Skillshare for just 99 cents. That's right, just 99 cents. To sign up, Go to Skillshare.com slash Hustle Pro. Again, go to Skillshare.com slash Hustle Pro to start your two months now. Now, you mentioned that you knew you wanted to do wholesale. What does that mean for Goodnight Darling Co.? So you only wanted to sell business to business? Is that what you mean? And if so, how do you manage that with not keeping too much inventory? No, actually, I knew I knew that wholesale was going to be a generate more money. I definitely wanted to do retail as well. That was the online sales, pop up shops, et cetera. Um, but wholesale is always going to be a big seller for anyone who has a product like mine. OK, versus um, versus like versus retail. You know, it's it's it let me rephrase. Wholesale is always going to be a big portion of your bottom line for any type of product because it's doing half of the work for you. 
you're not selling it. You're selling it, yes, to the boutique or to the stores or to bigger brands, but they do the rest for you. So it's getting the name out there for you. It's marketing for you. You know, people write me like, oh, I saw your store and, you know, your stuff right. in this store in Tennessee. I love the product. They're out. I'm going to buy it from you or something like that. So it's it's it does dual purposes. It's a marketing tool and it also helps your bottom line okay. with wholesale. Now let's talk about that. How did you approach retailers so that your products would be, you know, for example, you're in West Elm. How did you start that relationship? Well, with West Elm, West Elm was actually just a beautiful relationship. West Elm is awesome. Um, West Elm has a local program. And I didn't, hindsight, I didn't know this at the time because I'm just like, oh, West Elm wants me to do a pop-up shop. And I was just like really grateful. And I was just like, yes, they want me to do a pop-up shop. You know, that's like a big deal because West Elm is, you know, it's a great store. You know, I love West Elm. Did they approach you or you, you filled out like a local program app? So you can fill out a local, reach out to them, but they actually approached me and they approached me based off of my Instagram, which of course you have an Instagram course, you know how big Instagram yes, is yes. important. And I have another episode coming on that because I realized that I really, people need to know how big Instagram can be Listen, for you. Yeah. All, anybody who's been major in Goodnight Darling's career, I like to call <laughs> it like their own, its own person, is because of Instagram. People find me on Instagram. People reach out to me on Instagram. I will kid you not, probably about, and this is, I'm not doing this to brag or anything like that, but most of my boutiques wholesale, if they haven't, didn't find me like on places like Etsy Wholesale at the time, Etsy Wholesale no longer exists, but um, if any wholesale relationship that I have, they found me on Instagram. Any pop-up shops that I've done, they found me on Instagram. Nice. Um, so Instagram is, people are like, oh, it doesn't matter. It matters. It matters. If people can't go to your Instagram and like want to buy something or, you know, want to inquire more, then your Instagram, you're not working it mm-hmm. the way you should mm-hmm. be. Mm-hmm. So West Elm, um, the DC location, they actually reached out to me to do a pop-up shop. And so how their West Elm local program works is that you do a pop-up shop and they, you know, just say, oh, let's see how your products are and yada, yada. And, you know, I did well there. And what they do is they submit the line to corporate at that point after the pop-up shop. They ask you for feedback. What were the biggest sellers? What did the customers like? What did the customers say? And then if they like it, they'll pick you up. If they don't, they don't. And they like the product because my brand fits within the West Elm kind of brand and, you know, that whole aesthetic. So they loved it and they picked me up and it was a, definitely a long process, but I'm in two stores right now. I'm probably going to expand to more, hopefully, um, as they grow the program out a little bit more to other stores because my brand is doing really well in the stores that that, are, that it's in. Okay. And are there other stores that you, other boutiques you mentioned that you're working with that you had a similar process? Uh, Well, yeah, well, just, well, the other boutiques, they just found me on Instagram for my wholesale and they asked for wholesale stuff. Okay. So, and then I'm just in those, but you know, there's other stuff that I can't talk about yet. We'll see. Of course, of course. But there's one that, you know, I'm crossing my fingers on. (laughs) <laughs> yes, that they have stuff. So hopefully I'll make at least their holiday lineup, which okay. is good. 
Okay. So for niche brands right now who are starting out, what should they have in place to get ready? So if someone would like to feature them, you know, you mentioned the wholesale relationship. So should they have a certain amount of inventory ready to go? Like, how do you fulfill this partnership when someone does fortunately reach out to you? Well, you have to know, you know, have your policies in place, um, you know, your lead times in place. And you have to, I would say, for niche brands, be really clear about your product and try to build a relationship. If you can't, you know, talking on the phone is kind of hard, but do a little research on the people who inquire because everybody's like, oh, I got somebody who wants to carry my stuff. I don't let everybody carry my stuff, not because I'm, oh, I want to be bougie or anything like that, but sometimes it doesn't fit. You know, after doing research on their company, looking online and seeing the store, my products won't fit there. So it's just like, why would I waste your time and waste my time? Because time is money and this costs money. So you, you know, purchasing my project products just because they're in Wellstone or because they look pretty. If your customers are not going to buy them, that's kind of pointless. Put something else there that's going to fit your customers and your brand. So I would say to people who have niche businesses like mine or any sell anything wholesale wise, make sure you really know your products and make sure you have a vision for the places that you want your product to be. That's really important because that can propel you to different things and you never know who will get a hold of your products. Um, and that's really important. So if a company is a store that's just not in line with your brand and your stuff is just going to sit on the shelf, that's kind of pointless there. Yes, you got paid for it, but it's more important for you to have your product in a store where the demographic matches, the customer matches. One of the one of my retailers that's in freaking Omaha, she sells out of one of my room sprays like crazy. One of her customers buys them all up. Wow. They come in <laughs> and she's in Omaha. Oh, so, wow. you know, so you just have to know, but it's a, a very ritzy area. It's a okay. very stylish area, you know, that kind of thing. Yes. So that's what I like to tell people. And you said, yes, you're getting paid for it. So this relationship, it's not like a revenue split. It's like you are charging the company to carry your product. And then you're also making money on top of that and giving them a percentage. No. So okay. how wholesale works is that someone inquires and they ask you for your line sheet or your catalog, however you do it. And then you send them the line sheet. You usually have a wholesale minimum that people have to purchase. So in wholesale amount minimum. So for instance, some people's minimum might be $395 worth of products wholesale, and you have to either buy in a half a case or a full case, depending on what you're selling. And so they can look at the wholesale sheet, they can purchase whatever they want, it has to total up to $395. You, they send you the money or however your terms are, and then they ship, you ship it out to the store. And then the store then sells it, sells it for retail the suggested retail price, and then they make a profit. Oh, okay. Thank you for breaking that all down. I feel that was very informative and educational for me. I was uh, I was trying to follow along, but... Uh... <laughs> You're like, wait, wait. Hold on. I was like, where is... No. <laughs> when you don't work in a space, you know, you're just like, right. how does that work? So 
one last thing on the money piece. So a lot of people lose money in the first few years of their business. You Mm -hmm. are very much aligned with profit, revenue, cost of goods, all of that. So what has your experience been with Goodnight Darling Co. specifically? Well, the business is profitable, but I am in the red. And but that is okay because there's profit in the business, but the black will come as I do more volume. But for your listeners who are wanting to start, and this is why I always, when people come to me and they ask me questions about, you know, entrepreneurship, and I'm sure all of the other guests that you've had too, they experience this too. Entrepreneurship, whatever you're doing, I don't care if you're starting like a bicycle business, it's not for the faint of heart. It's either you're going to do it or you're not. But the one thing that, like I said, I like to tell people, you are going to fail. That is the one thing I can guarantee. (laughs) So whether you're coming to me for, you know, coaching or help or to help you strategize, you're going to fail. If you're not comfortable with that going to happen, then maybe you should keep your job. Don't quit your job right away. Don't don't, those things because you're going to fail. So yes, it's profitable and I've made money and it's going to continue to grow, but it's, some days and some months is hard. Mm-hmm. It's not easy. It's not, you know, some months it's like, oh, you know, our deal falls through. Mm-hmm. Lots of things can happen. Right. So, you know, you have to be able to be prepared for that. But also, I don't want to tell people to not do something, but take the risk. Mm-hmm. So if you know you're going to fail, if that's going to happen, then everything else is pretty much gravy from there, yes. to be honest with you. So why, <laughs> what what are some of the biggest things that have attributed, when you say you're in the red, so is this the amount of cash flow? So yes, you're profitable, but then you immediately have to start placing big investments for the next shipment and things like that. Meaning that the little things, like if I actually add my sat like a salary in there for me, yes, then I'm in the red. Mm-hmm. So you know what I mean? So right now I'm working free for the company. If you that kind of thing, if you are looking at a real P&L statement, profit and loss statement, I'm in the red if I add my salary Mm -hmm. or if I add, you know, certain other things um, that might come up. So the profit is there within the products and the brand and the revenue that I'm bringing in. But those little intricate, you know, tax and (laughs) accounting details, I'm in the red on paper. And what are your plans moving forward? So what's next for Goodnight Darling? Do you see yourself just continuing to get larger and larger wholesale contracts? Is there any other direction that you can see yourself taking the company in? Yes. So definitely more wholesale accounts, more boutiques, more stores. The next goal for next year would to create, you know, a bigger place to make stuff, to hire more people, um, you know, to do at least at least two or three trade shoes that I truly want to do to get an investor, someone who believes in the brand, who believes in the company, who's willing to work with me. Um, even though I have had lots of business experience, I'm still a novice at building a big, big brand, which I see it. So, you know, having guidance in that direction to make it the way I want to make it into, um, you know, and capital, more capital would be great. So that's the goal for 2019. It's to expand, 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 expand. (laughs) And are you currently manufacturing it all yourself or is there assistance there? I have part-timers. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, I have part-timers, which are good. So 
And one of them has, you know, when I, she has, a, she just got a job, which is great. She wants to be a teacher, but she's still going to stay on this, like, my first part-timer. So it's, like, kind of, like, sad. I'm like, oh, you know, but she's fine. She's yes. coming on the weekends. <laughs> so, you know, she's coming on the weekends. But right. part-timers right now. And then during the holidays, I usually pick up with more part-timers. Yes. Speaking of part-timers, so where is AC on the side hustle to entrepreneur spectrum at this moment? I am an entrepreneur with part-time work here and there. (laughs) That is honest truth. And I tell people all the time, you have to pay your bills. Don't be out here fronting on the gram. Are you still making thongs or or are you doing marketing sales? No shade. Listen, that is a very good skill to have. No shade with that. Listen, it's a great question. (laughs) It is a great question. And so what I'm doing right now, because um, since I have my MBA in marketing and I also... I'm a certified life coach, um, which I got that years ago. I help other people through coaching um, and more. I don't want to even say coaching. I want to say that I'm a guide. Mm -hmm. I'm more of a guide and I help people guide them through their entrepreneurial and life journeys. Um, And I use a system um, that I've known about for about 10 years. It's called human design. It's more of a personality kind of test. And I help them with that through human design and help and guide people through their entrepreneurial journeys, through their life journeys, and starting up the things that they're passionate about. And, you know, I it, I might be dibbling back into the thong business because there's money out there. I don't know yet, but we'll see. Well, I, I just think your voice is so calming. So I can see you being a great guide for others. So, you know, I wish you the best with that. And love, love, good night, darling, Coso. Really rooting for you. So now Thank we're going you. to, you're welcome. We're going to transition into the lightning round. You know the deal. You just answer the first thing that comes to mind. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Number one. What's a resource that has helped you in your business that you can share with the Side Hustle Pro audience? It would probably be the personality test that I was talking about, human design, me being an expert in that that kind of thing. Number two, what's been the best business book or podcast episode or live event that you've consumed this year? I would have to say Worthy is the name of the book. It is amazing. I always forget the author's name, but just look up Worthy. Worthy, okay. Yes, amazing book. All righty. Now, number three, who is a Black woman entrepreneur that you would want to trade places with for a day and why? Oh, gosh, that's hard because they all look stressed out sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) But I would have to say who I would... Gosh, this is hard, but I'm going to go ahead and say Courtney Adelaide. Okay. Um, from the main choice, I I just love her. She's just always in her suits and stuff. She's just yeah. I just love her. I love her. Okay. Number four, what's a personal habit that has helped you significantly in your business? <laughs> a personal habit? Well, I have insomnia so that. <laughs> um, I I would oh no a personal habit. I would see yeah, I would my sleep habits have helped me because that's what the brand is about. Yes. And as you build out this brand, are you still able to maintain that? <laughs> it, I've sleep much better because I've learned how to not let things stress me out. And I and I and I don't use like sleep medication anymore. I've been off of that for years. Oh, good. So yeah, so I've just I have my tips and tricks. I don't have a TV in my room. Um, 
there's minimal things in there. I sleep with a sleep mask. So it's a lot of things that I do that help me sleep better. Perfect. Okay, number five. And the last question, what is your parting advice for fellow women entrepreneurs who want to be their own boss, but are worried about losing a steady paycheck? Don't quit your day job. And that's number one, do not quit your day job. Number two is don't be afraid to fail. And when you fail, just look at the lessons that you learned, write those down. Don't harp on them. Don't cry about it too much. Just look at them, analyze them, assess, and then move on to the next thing or improve the thing that you were trying to do in the first place. Amen. I just want to say that that is speaking to me today, AC. So thank you for that, because I think as the host of Side Hustle Pro, sometimes I am, and I'm going to do an episode about this, things I'm scared to tell the world. It's one thing to fail, but it feels different to fail publicly. And so that's something that I struggle with because I want to fail and I want to share my failures, but I'm used to failing quietly. So <laughs> and you can do that. Yeah. You can fail quietly and right. if, or have a rule is that when you fail, uh-huh. you talk about it three months later. Yes. Because then it's yes. not going to affect you that I much. I like that. I like that. Well, AC, thank you so much for being in the guest chair. As you can see, I am personally blessed by having you. So what's the best way that people can connect with you after this? Oh, awesome. Um, Well, for Goodnight Darling, they can follow me on Instagram at goodnightdarling. Co. And then on my personal Instagram, they can follow me at because I do a lot of motivation over there and stuff. Um, it's A Y C E E Brown. So uh, Good Night Darling Co. and AC Brown on Instagram, both on Instagram. And of course, on my website, um, goodnightdarling.co and acbrown.com. All right. I will link to all of those, you guys. And there you have it. Hey guys, thanks for listening to Side Hustle Pro. If you want to hear more from me, head on over to sidehustlepro.co forward slash side hustle corner to get my weekly side hustle diaries chronicles about my own journey from passion project to profitable business. And if you want to find me online, I'm at Side Hustle Pro on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Don't forget to join the Side Hustle Pro Facebook community. Go to sidehustlepro.co forward slash mastermind. And as always, if you love the show, do me a favor and subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. Thanks, guys. Talk to you next week. Thank you.